Hello, and welcome back to The Director's Cut, brought to you by the Directors Guild of America, where each episode we bring you a brand new interview with one of the film industry's top directors, conducted by one of their peers. Remember to subscribe to our podcast on Google Play Music, iTunes, Stitcher, or on our SoundCloud page at soundcloud.com slash the director's cut. And if you're enjoying the director's cut, please take a moment to like, share, or comment. We love hearing your feedback. This episode takes us behind the scenes of director Stephen Shabosky's new film, Wonder. Based on the New York Times bestselling novel, the film tells the inspiring story of August Augie Pullman, a young boy born with facial differences who has spent the last few years in and out of hospitals. He becomes the most unlikely of heroes when he enters his local fifth grade, uniting both his family and the community in his brave journey to just be treated as an ordinary kid. In addition to wonder, Mr. Shabosky's credits include the feature films The Perks of Being a Wallflower and The Four Corners of Nowhere. Following a recent screening of the film at the DGA Theater in Los Angeles, Mr. Shabosky spoke with director Jason Reitman about filming Wonder. During their conversation, Mr. Shabosky discusses his relationship with the author of the source material, R.J. Palacio, working with Jacob Tremblay as the young star of the film, and how fatherhood has changed him as a filmmaker. Thank you for this movie. Thank you. Oh, no, thank, thank you. Thank you for it, many of yours. <laughs> oh, it's kind, but uh, particularly right now, when everything seems so rough everywhere and every conversation is difficult and every time I turn on the news, I know I'm going to be in pain. Uh, <laughs> so watch a movie as lovely as this and to watch a movie that just digs straight into my heart. Uh, that was wonderful. Thank you for this film and thank you particularly for the timing. Oh, I, I appreciate you saying so. And... Uh, you know, this was a real labor of love, and if you don't know the book, uh, the book is so beautiful. And I think every now and then, you know, the timing of something, you, we can't control it. We don't know, uh, you know, you can't predict what's going to be going on in the world, and I certainly wouldn't want the world to be as kind of bleak and the news to be as divisive as it, as it has been lately. But I'm glad that this could be a little bit of a ray of hope. It certainly was to me, and, and the process of making it over the last year and a half I, I found myself genuinely feeling like a better person and a better father and a better husband at the end of the process. So it's nice that it's 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 spreading its uh, hope out there. Uh, so let's let's go back to the beginning of this, and uh, I'm really fascinated by your way into this film, particularly because you are a author turned screenwriter turned uh, director. You adapted your own novel, which was a huge hit, uh, and now you're working with another book. Um, that was uh, a huge hit. Every kid knows it. I'm curious, first of all, what kind of pressure you felt originally uh, adapting your novel Perks of Being Wallflower into a, a, a movie, and then how that changed? And I, I would imagine there's an anticipation of first an audience who knows all these characters that you created versus the anticipation of creating a film where everyone knows all these characters that uh, they feel belong to them. Yes. Well, I think I think you know. For me, I, I think that uh, doing the Perks of Being a Wallflower, my own novel, allowed me to uh, and seeing that process through. It was I felt all the pressure. So I, the only author I could let down was myself. 
-hmm. So that was helpful to have. It's almost like training wheels. Like, okay, if, if I goof it up, then, you know, I only have me to blame and that's good. And, um, and so I did it and I found myself loving it. And one thing I found doing both movies was going into it saying, I might hate the process. I don't know. Um, because I'm going to try to approach this more as an author um, or, you know, in a kind of a literary way. And what I found in both uh, circumstances was I loved, I just love directing movies. I genuinely love it. And, and, and I feel with, with wonder, it, it's that tricky thing because I knew that there were the people that love the book. And, and I'm one of them. So it was very easy to service those folks. It's also trying to then make it accessible for people that don't know the book at all and also make it, to the best of my ability anyway, accessible to people who might dismiss it as just sentimental nonsense, you know. And, and I always felt like if you could look the, the characters and you look at the themes straight in the eye in a very respectful way, um, that uh, maybe you could please as many comers as possible. Was there something particularly about the book from from moment one that you thought, all right, if I nailed that, then I had the film. Or if there's one thing I can't let down from the original novel. Yeah, there is one, there, that's, that's a great question. There is one thing. When I read the book, you know, and, and um, so I was reading it and I was like, oh, it's lovely. Oh, oh, it's well written. It's very literary. That's nice. And then, oh, wow, Jack Will betrays him. That's really dark. Wow, I didn't see that coming. So there's these, <laughs> but then at page 81, you turn the page and it says via, and I didn't see it coming. I right. didn't see the change of point of view coming. And I went, oh, I think I know why everyone loves this book. And then I turn the page, um, the via section is like, August is the sun, my mom and dad and me are planets orbiting the sun. And from that moment on, I was like, this book is a classic. It, it, is, it was that. I, I thought if I could figure out a way in, in, a, in, a, in a cinematic way to be as clear and concise about all the points of view and the time shifts, because it's all over the place in the yeah. book, um, but, but for an eight or a seven or eight year old to understand, but at the same time, not so simplistic to like lose mom and dad or grandma and grandpa, because I wanted everyone to be able to enjoy it and have a conversation afterwards. So it was that I was like, if I can get this point of view thing, right, then I think we have something really special. Yeah. It's uh, interesting. And I have not read the book. So when I saw that, I, I, I immediately kind of loved surprising, it right? and I immediately yeah. loved it as a, as a movie fan and, and, and as well as a filmmaker. Uh, it's interesting. I mean, do you, uh, do you think that's an authorial sensibility uh, on your part? Do you think that's a, a filmmaking sensibility uh, to want to do that? I think it was, that one was uh, maybe a little bit of both, I guess, because I so love this book and, and I revere it, so I wanted to figure out a way to preserve that scent, that thrill that I got when I turned that page. I was like, if I can give that to a movie audience, then, then I have something really special. So it maybe it's a little both. How did, how did you get the book? Uh, David Hoberman and Todd Lieberman, um, the producers, they had... I'd written uh, the screenplay for Beauty and the Beast for them, and I love those guys. We had a great time and great experience, and so they thought of me because they really like Perks of Being a Wallflower, and they thought I'd be the right kind of tonal match for Wonder. And Beauty, that's right, Beauty and the Beast as well. I, you just enjoy terrifying challenges, don't you? <laughs> I mean, I'd be so scared. I mean, each one of these things, and I've adapted books, and... Uh, some of them have more fans than others, but nothing like any of the three that you've done. And I think I would sit down terrified at the computer every day. Or, <laughs> oh, I'm going to let them down. They're going to be so pissed at me. Well, well you know, it's funny. The, well, uh, that's, that's really funny. for me, um, you know, uh, just a quick personal thing. 
when about know, three, four years ago, my wife's father had a stroke and we went back to New Jersey to help him. And he's doing great now. He's back on his feet. Everything's great. But I spent eight months away from town and away from our business. And I spent those eight months really, it was my wife and my daughter and myself and, and, and my wife and my father-in-law in, in Summit, New Jersey, hanging out. And I just, I can't tell you what it was like to just step out of, out of the way, off the grid and go to see Nut Job in the theater at the little summit, like little like two screener, and then and then do this or see uh, whatever. And I found myself watching so many princess movies with my daughter, <laughs> and and I'd never really, you know, I'd seen of course Little Mermaid and I'd <laughs> seen them all at least once, but seeing them through her experience and her eyes, it suddenly made me love these family movies. Mm. I suddenly understood the power of these allegories or the power of these things to her. And so I did Beauty and the Beast really for her. It was my little, very personal movie for me, oddly, because I thought I can give my daughter advice through Belle's predicament. Like if a beast grabs, you try to escape. Like something as simple as that. So I didn't feel really um, daunted by it. I felt I, what I found was like this wonderful opportunity to, to communicate with children, um, uh, you know, and, and what, what a great way to do it. Do you think you've changed as a filmmaker in becoming a father? A hundred percent. I'm much better now. Because because um, I see the power of it from a, like you know I think when you're younger, um, art is like it's 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 more self self motivated I guess it's like you know I was a very ambitious young person like like I'm sure we all we all were and and it was really about that now it's not it's about it's the thing over there now which is really exciting like over the last few weeks um, just you know because we you know we're doing the junket and we're going mm -hmm. place to place. And I've watched the movie, I've watched Wonder maybe five, six times in the last three weeks. Mm -hmm. I've done this uh, sit-through. And I love it every time because now I'm not thinking about me anymore. I'm thinking about, God, wow, Elle McKinnon, wow, what a really great discovery she was. I love Marcella Zarvis' music. I and I start <laughs> to get it. I become a fan of everybody else. It's really fun. I'm amazed that you can still sit through. I usually I get to the point where I'm, I'm, I'm so frustrated with my own movie. I'm just like watching the corners of the screen and trying to find something new. And yeah, uh, I, yeah. I think it's so cool that you're... Well, I had four months off because I finished in July. Oh, that's it. So, so it yeah, is a yeah. true rediscovery It process. is a rediscovery, yeah. And, I, and, and I, the first time was in Boston with R.J. Palacio, the author. Mm -hmm. And she had never seen the final final. How is that relationship going? Great. Yeah? Fantastic. How was yeah. it day one? Day one, great. Because I'm being a fellow author... Do you consider yourself an honest person? Yes. No, no, sorry, sorry. <laughs> 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 That's very yeah, but funny. was that was that I mean uh Yeah, here here's the thing for me, I knew I knew first of all it's good manners. Um second of all, it's smart and I knew it would lead to the best movie possible if I just embraced her. Right. Day one. When I first when they sent me the book and, and I wanted to do it and the schedules finally worked out, I I flew to New York City and, and my whole spiel, whatever her contractual power was, one way or the other, I didn't care. I was like, author to author, if we don't see the same movie, I don't want to do it. Like, right. if you don't want me to do this movie, if you hated Perks or something, or you don't think I'm the right guy, I'm not going to do it. Mm -hmm. Because I just felt inherently that she knows her creation better than I do. I'm a, I'm a true adapter in this sense. And so what I tried to do was, was kind of walk around in her shoes a little bit. If, and if I had not adapted my own book, Perks, how would I would how would it, let's say you had done it? How would I want you to treat me as the author right. when you make your movie? And so I try to do that in recruiter and casting decisions. What do you think of this girl? Is this kind of how you saw Summer? Is this what you think? And there are a few moments where where she saw things that none of us could see. I'm talking an army, Don Burt, you name it. Really? 
things that things that escape us because she has a very very specific and very beautiful point of view, and and some things that she caught that we didn't catch. So she was a secret weapon. Uh, can, can we talk about the boy for a second? And oh yeah. Please remind me the, the name. Jacob Trumbley. Yeah, Trumbley, of course. Um, uh, I'm pres- you had seen him in uh, Room. Uh, oh yeah. And uh, what a great with, movie. Is that how you came acquainted to him? Did he come and audition? How did the uh, no did no no audition? You know he's he's the best. He's the I mean he's he is such a great actor and he and he was the perfect age and it was it was just the the the, the movie gods loved Wonder in this one. It, it was the perfect timing for him. So yeah, I loved Room and but meeting him, um, meeting him up in. Uh, uh, we met in Todd Lieberman's office, and he's so normal and so funny and so irreverent. And his parents are nice. You know, they're from Langley, right outside of Vancouver. Like they're like the nicest Canadian family ever, except maybe yours. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, wait a hold on a second. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we um, got along right away, and I just said, "Wow, not only is he a great actor, he's like a really good kid." Mm-hmm. And I thought that was important. I don't know about you with your with your casting, but when I do casting, I try to find, of course, the best actor, but I'm also trying to find the best person because yeah. I feel like if I can have that, then there's then all the drama's gonna be on the screen and not off stage, right. which is very helpful, a- including the parents. Because like if someone gave a great audition, I, a kid would. I was like, that was wonderful. Can, can I meet your mom? And they thought, you know, and partly I was like, I just wanted to say great job to your yeah, kid. Yeah, yeah. But partly I was always like, okay, is mom crazy? Is, yeah. is, is you know, yeah, is yeah, dad yeah. gonna is dad gonna like you know hit on the PAs? You know what I mean? There's like, gonna, yeah, or yeah. even uh, start directing their children. Yeah. And uh, how did uh, how did Tremblay? Uh, Get to understand Augie. How did how did that probably? Because he clearly understood him. Oh, he and yeah. there was so much humanity to him, and and humor, and it felt real, and it never felt that thing that you were fa- afraid of uh, uh, when you said the earlier being over being yeah. sentimental. It felt very uh, true and and really witty. Uh, how do you think he figured that out? I well, I think that uh, first of all, he he's naturally a very fun, very whimsical person. So I knew I had that. And, and uh, the other thing that he did, and this is all credit to him, his process, he got letters from these kids, mm-hmm. he, he went to hospitals, he went to, to events with MyFace and other organizations that deal with craniofacial difference, got to know kids, became friends, you know, pen pals, the whole nine. And he had a binder of, of letters that got him in the mood when it was a sad scene or whatever else. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, he really understood what he was doing. But I have to say, what it was so inspiring about this process was all the kids knew you know if you're playing Charlotte whatever it was sometimes I had to remind them like the scene where the kids are making fun of him and and you realize that Jack Will is talking crap about him behind his back and everything else Uh, the first few takes the kids were acting very somberly because they were playing it the way that they knew he was hearing it They, they played it the way a reader felt and I was like no no guys you have to make fun of him like, and I, I, I kept having them do burp, all these things to get them back into that thing. What I found was all the kids, yeah, their empathy was phenomenal. It's very inspiring. That's, uh, that's lovely. Uh, uh, Via was also fantastic. Yeah. Where did you find her? Um, you know, uh, Deb Aquila and, uh, and Trisha Wood and, and Jen Smith, they're casting directors. We brought in a whole bunch of girls. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we had everyone slate. Um, and it was very important for height. So, so people know, I know how old are you really and how That's tall are you? really funny, yeah. Yeah, because, you know, you can't have, you know, that age especially. Mm-hmm. You can have, this kid could be this and this kid's that and it doesn't look right. So, um, and it was her slate. I swear to God. Really? She, she stood all nervous with her hands behind her back. She's like, hi, I'm Isabella Vidovich and I'm 15 years old and I'm five foot two. And I was like, that's Via. I know that's Via. 
because she was so, she was, I can't, I couldn't, you know, it's that magic moment that you look for. You think, what is it about that kid that's so special? I don't know. And look, we still audition and many callbacks and mm -hmm. chemistry reads and yeah. the whole nine. We did our jobs. But there was something about that first slate that I thought that she's very authentic and she's, there's something kind of tough about her because I thought it'd be very easy to do via like, oh, woe is me, weepy, weepy on the mm -hmm. side. I thought, no, nah, that's the wrong way to do it. It should be a girl who's like fiercely loyal and loving to her brother and she's suffering in silence, which will now make us feel more empathy for her because now we want her to be more upset than she is. It's that one of the hardest thing. things to act too also is to act when you have nothing to say. Uh, oh, yeah. Acting silent is one of the hardest things. It's, oh. you, you can't teach it to anybody, and there's just certain people who were born with that gift yes. where everything they're feeling is coming through through their eyes, uh, and they don't have the opportunity to maybe another actor on screen is to, who gets to just talk and talk. Yeah. Uh, I, I remember what your question was going to be a second ago, which was about prosthetics, and this seems like a, uh, maybe a mundane question, but it really, how long did it take? For him to get into that every morning, because you already had a limited amount of hours. Oh yeah, we had nine hours um, a day. I think that was I think that was the law. I'm mm -hmm. pretty sure it was nine. And so and so uh, we did a lot of French hours, which was great. No, the prosthetic was the minimum an hour and a half to get in. Sometimes two and a half hours, mm -hmm. like at the beginning when they were still trying to figure out how to how to. Two and a half hours. Oh yeah. So he would and sit then, there. And then 20, 30 minutes to get out. And how old is he? He was nine. Oh, I can't even imagine. He uh, was so somehow explain yeah. to a nine year old, are oh, you gonna have to sit here for two hours well? Well, well Arian, our, our makeup designer, and if anyone needs prosthetics, he is just he's unbelievable. Mm -hmm. Um he's so nice. He said, Look, this is what's gonna happen. He's nine years old, he'll be he'll think it's neat for a couple of days, <laughs> and then in a couple of weeks he's gonna really have trouble. Yeah. And there was like one little flare up that was never I never was privy to it, just not flare up like bad, just like the patience it started to wear on him. But I have to say and, and you had asked before about how he prepared for the role. There was something about the mask. There was something about Jacob Tremblay would go into the trailer and an hour and a half later, Augie would come out. There was something about, you know, almost like wearing a Halloween mask mm -hmm. for him because it was fully immersive. There was an, The only thing that's Jacob in there is his, are his eyes and his mouth. Everything right. else is, is rubber. And um, I don't know, it just, it just it helped somehow because the process of being patient made Augie more subdued. It made, Jacob just used it all. You know, because he's, I mean, he's, he's the real deal. Would it affect other actors? I mean, would you see 100%. actors, particularly like on day one, they come to set, they come, they come in contact, and you're reminded of, oh, that's right. They yeah. haven't seen him like this yet. They're oh, having yeah. that initial reaction of going, oh, how do I respond to this? Would you see it shift their energy? Well, the first, the very first day of shooting was the first day of school in the homeroom. Mm -hmm. And I del the first shot is him walking in with the makeup, and none of the kids, I made it a point, none of the kids can see him until oh, that shot. So, so the cameras were going, we had three cameras going, and so the reaction you saw, that was it. They were just them going, oh wow. They wasn't, you know, that anticipation, because I thought in real, in realistic terms, the kids would know that the kid was coming, and it's the, oh, what, the anticipation of what's he gonna look like, and then the reality of what it is. That's such smart filmmaking. And very impressive that you pulled it off too, because I always feel like that's the kind of thing where you're like, you know, it'd be great if we could do this, and then, and then you realize, oh, they saw each other at Crafty, or they saw yeah. each other at breakfast, and they've been like, no, it was a whole, no, he walked around with like a hood on his head. It was oh, a whole, no it was kidding. a whole thing. You yeah. went full Star Wars. Or yeah, no, we really did. <laughs> oh, speaking of Star Wars, how do you how do you pull that off? Oh yeah, um, David Hoberman, um, our producer, you know, these three decades with Disney, mm -hmm. called Kathy Kennedy and said, look, I got a special little movie here, and will you please um, read the script, read the book. You know, give your blessing, and she did, and and she did. I, I mean, don't mean to geek out, but then how did you? 
Who played Chewbacca? Well, there, there's a guy who, um, he is the, there's one guy in the entire world who is sanctioned. If you need, like, let's say Chewbacca to Children's Hospital, like yeah. a live Chewbacca appearance, he's the guy. So, no so he came, I think he lives in Florida or something. Nice guy, very nice. And he's like a method Chewbacca. He's a method Chewbacca. And uh, he really is. And uh, that I have to say, I don't know about you, in, in your career, the weirdest... You know, it's like Julia Roberts. That was amazing. So many amazing actors. Mandy Patinkin, the whole thing. But like, there's nothing like and cut, um, Mr. Chewbacca, sir. If you could just, <laughs> <laughs> you know, because you can't call him by the actor's name in front of the kids. So you have. To, he's. I'm like, so Chewbacca. If this time your eye line, if you could just look a little bit, you know, it was so weird. But it was great. That was. Uh, uh, what was what was Julia like? What was Owen like? Great. You know, they were really. They knew their role. And they embraced it. And Julia, she loved the book. She read it out loud to her kids. So this was a really sacred book to the, her family. Yeah. And she's very, very devoted, loving mother. And, you know, she's the one. She does the drop-off. She does the cooking. She's right. like, she's, she's a Georgia girl. She loves that. And so... You can see that in her moments uh, with Jacob, too. Those were all genuine. Oh, yeah. As a director, you start to notice when actors are acting and when they say, oh, yes. wait, that's real. Yeah. Absolutely. She, I don't know, I, I felt like this was so, something of a, of a quiet autobiography for her, like that part of her, because they, you know, we all love her. I mean, she's so glamorous and everything else. She, usually she's playing something completely other than her reality, right. and this was the chance to play the reality, and, and it was really, it was really wonderful. But also, like, much like Chewbacca, I have to say, I don't know if you've had this experience, for me, you know, I'm always there for the, I love actors and I love it. It's so strange to say cut, you have an idea, you walk up and every now and then I would look up and go, I'm saying this to Julie Roberts. It was really, it, yeah. was, it was very humbling. Uh, okay. Because she's really good. This may be a silly question. You did the pretty woman moment, right? That's what that was, right? I mean, I'm not, okay. It happened, I was like, oh my goodness, the pretty. Okay, okay, here, here, here's, hey. the, here's the story. Yeah, tell me please, Dave, David I, I was delighted. David Hoberman who produced, um, he, was, he was working at Disney when they did Pretty Woman, so that was their first thing together. Uh -huh. And and he said, and I, I I love those. I mean, they're such great producers. And David David goes, Stephen, she has the most famous laugh in movie history, and I want you to get the laugh. I mean, he challenged me. And so when I was doing my draft of the script, I was like, you know, Isabel laugh. I put it in like every scene description in the world. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, that's her real laugh. Right. The pretty woman laugh is that's you hear it all day long on set, yeah, yeah, but yeah. the camera you got to earn. It. She won't give it. It's like you got it. Oh. So so. Um, is it contractual? It's not. No, it's not. It's, <laughs> but what I did was, uh, what I did was, uh, um, oh yeah, this uh, this really. Anyway, um, uh, after a disastrous rehearsal, only uh, basically. God, that would take 10 minutes. I, and I know we don't have the 10 minutes. I, I could tell you privately. What I will say is, what I built up was. Um, I'm going to have this secret. The script as written was, hey, let's, uh, you finish your thesis, let's get drunk. That was the end of the scene. Right. But I had planned this gift. I was like, I'm going to have a present. Mm -hmm. And Julia was like, what is it? And I go, it's a surprise. Okay? And Owen was like, what is it? I go, it's a surprise. Neither of them knew what was in the box. Really? None of them. And so when Very she's David like. David Fincher of you. Oh, really? <laughs> she's no, like. Never mind. It's a seven joke. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That is the joke. What's in the box? Point of Paltrow's head. Yes, absolutely. Oh. Um, <laughs> Spoiler. Okay, never mind. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so when she's like going, what's in here? It, it's all the anticipation. But the thing was, 
in order to surprise her because I had to cover the scene. So you're doing the master, and that was the first surprise, but then I had to cut into it. Right. So, so she did it a couple times in the master, right. and then she did it once in close-up, and it was starting to lose, and then I surprised her with a new thing oh. for, for the coverage to get it. Yeah, so it was really fun. Oh, and, but you also did the box. That's like the jewelry box. I mean, you did yeah, the whole. The yeah, whole. yeah. I, look, look, David Hoberman, he wanted his laugh, so I got him his laugh. I mean... Can you share, or is this like a? a no, it's a whole. Secret? It's a whole. It's a secret. It's kind of yeah. Only because Julie was like, "Don't you dare ever tell the." I was like, "Okay." I mean, this is the director's guild. Obviously, I, I nothing know. leaves this room. I this know. is we all sign a thing if, if when we were, become if members. If this were not and, a podcast, I would I would tell my fellow directors. All I'll say is this. I'll I'll say this. Yeah. We went to a, a, a restaurant called Rodney's Oyster House. Okay. And, and Rodney's Oyster House, uh, because we were doing a, a rehearsal, I wanted a private room, nice food, that was it. Well, there's no private room, it's a back bar <laughs> with the windows under the alley, yeah. and so the, the, it was a disastrous setting. And, and there was this thing, basically, I knew it was the only rehearsal I had with the family, it was such a disaster, I thought, ah, uh, okay. Um, the, the rehearsal part was great, but just everything, I, it's like, I thought Julie would walk away going, what if I, I what, yeah, why did I cut yeah, my rate for these yeah. crazy people? And, um, and then I thought I would remind her of the disastrous day in this fun way. Um, and so just like they, they teach you in driver's ed, like if you spin out, just steer into the spin, you yeah. know what I mean? Just own it. Like, yeah, that was terrible. I'm really sorry. I thought it was a different kind of room, blah, blah, blah. And, and it ended up making her laugh. So. Oh, there you go. Yeah, oh, I, we owned it. What do you, I mean, uh, what do you, how do you normally feel about rehearsal? I mean, is that part of your process? Do you dig it? Um, how Not, much do you like worked out and ahead of time? I, I like to do one read through. I, I, I'm big on the social aspect of, of, I feel like casting is the main thing. I do most of my, I guess, rehearsal through auditioning mm -hmm. and, and seeing how things can work one way or the other. Um, but no, I feel that like one good read through with, with the, the group of kids or the family or the teenagers, although I wasn't able to do those for this one. Um, that plus some discussion, that's it. I like to keep it buoyant because I feel like, I feel like, I don't know, especially with the kids, you know, if, if rehearsal is, you know, go bowling or have a pizza party, yeah, because yeah. I just knew that it's all the invisible chemistry. That's what really matters. That's most communication anyway, so yeah. You know, plus, I don't really know when I hear about. Oh yeah, we had a month to rehearse. I'm like, God, what'd you work on? Like, I, like a whole month. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't, yeah, yeah. I've never had the luxury. Maybe I would enjoy it. I don't know. I've just never been able to do it. What uh, is there anything on this film that you feel like you survived? I mean, what is the, what was the, what was the trickiest thing that you had that you had to hurdle on this film? I think the trickiest thing, you know, the whole, you know, don't make a movie with like you know, kids, dogs, or makeup, you know, and we had them all. Mm -hmm. It was it was more of just, I really learned, and it was very inspired by this, actually, that, that we were, that we had a certain set amount of time, and what I tried to do was just do the lightning in the bottle. I was like, I don't know what's going to happen. If I have, if, if the social worker says, you have seven minutes, <laughs> and I go, okay, um, what are we lit for? You know, because right. because you're just, you have to just run and gun the whole thing. I think that was it. Plus, every now and then, I will say, getting the kids to focus, usually they were amazing. They knew their lines. They were really, really on it. I'd say two or three occasions, they were. it was really hard to get them to focus. Let's say the science fair. Because mm -hmm. all anyone wanted to, to see was the guy get, get the, the volcano in the yeah, face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they were completely distracted for two hours. Mm -hmm. Getting them to, to do that, that was, uh, you know, focus on the, that was it. Otherwise, you know, it felt really 
remarkable. And I was really grateful that Lionsgate loved the footage in Vancouver enough to give us three days in New York. And oh, was that not part of the original plan? Or well, it was always our hope, but you right. know how it is. It's it's like you're always auditioning for the extra dollars for the yeah, song yeah, or for the this yeah, or for the that. Yeah. So so yeah, that, a lot of that was yeah. So I was just glad at the end of the day they gave us everything that we needed to complete the movie. Uh, well, it was uh, it was absolutely worth it. I'm glad that Thank they you. did. Can I can I say one little thing? Sure. Just, well, I have uh, uh, some uh, wonderful directors in the in the room. I went to an event the other day called the Media Access Awards, mm -hmm. and and it was it was a very amazing. I never I never heard of it before. And, and Todd and David have been given a thing. It's basically people with disabilities, and it's like their Oscars, basically. Mm -hmm. And this lady came up to me afterwards and said, listen, whenever you're casting a movie, even background, can you just make sure that somebody maybe is in a wheelchair or with a cane or XYZ? Right. Just because we're such a big part of the population and we're like in 1% of the movies. Huh. And I just wanted to share that. It was a, it was a remarkable eye-opening experience. It wasn't a kumbaya thing. It was like, oh yeah, that's just good manners. And I thought like, if ever, let's say you're casting and like, let's say that character is stale or nothing's working or whatever, to maybe think about this community, which is so vast, and there are, there are specialty casting directors that do this, that, that know these actors, that it might be a really cool way to get some very atypical diversity um, into our movies and to our TV shows. So anyway, I saw this, and the only reason I'm saying it was I went to this awards two days ago, I had no idea, and it was a, it was a really life-changing experience. So I just wanted to share that um, as, a, as a cool thing that we could all do, because I can't tell you how many people have come up to us saying, you know, I've never seen a kid with Treacher Collins in a movie before, this little 11-year-old girl named Morgan saying it's my new favorite movie, right. and now, and we got this thing from Facebook, my wife did, um, uh, this little kid who was saying that, uh, you know, he now thinks he's awesome. You know what I mean? I mean, he has this right. thing. So it's amazing when you can see yourself up on screen, which I take for granted. You probably take for granted. I think most of us do. But anyway, I just wanted to share that with with my uh, my fellow directors because it can really make a difference. So smart. Yeah, right. Steve, that was it's very smart advice, and thank you for making this film. Thank you for giving us and our families a lovely Sunday, yeah. uh, and I wish you all the luck and success with this film. You certainly deserve it. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Very much. Thank you, Jason. Mm -hmm. Thanks, man. Mm -hmm. Thanks for listening to another DGA Q&A. Don't forget, you can check out past episodes of The Director's Cut wherever you listen to podcasts. As we get deeper into awards season, we'll continue to give you director-focused conversations about this year's most anticipated films. So be sure to subscribe to our podcast to stay up to date on the great discussions we have coming up. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please like, share, and leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Thanks again for listening, and have a great week. This podcast is produced by the Directors Guild of America. Music is by Dan Wally.